Shalom, shalom, and welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are reading through the scriptures from the beginning to the end using the original languages as a guide. Now, I haven't been as successful or even trying as hard to make the videos, but I was going to try again today just because sometimes we get a lot of people who watch the videos who wouldn't necessarily listen to the podcast. So hopefully that video will be uploaded to Golden, um, I'm sorry, God's Little Hummingbird later today. Now, Today we are in Leviticus chapter 16, and we are reading from the New King James Version Bible. I do pray that Father God would open our eyes, ears, and heart to His truth and His truth alone. And this chapter is really neat because it goes with what we read earlier. We had been studying about Yom Kippurim, or Yom Kippur, a few weeks ago when we had that festival. And so here is a huge chapter talking about this one time a year when the Levitical priesthood is allowed, or was allowed when we had the temple, enter the Holy of Holies. It's the one time a year. And that's why there was an argument, you know, the New Testament talks about they don't debate which day is holier. Well, there's an argument which day is holier in those of um, who are familiar with Judaism. But this is not Judaism, but they also do the Torah, right? right? So Judaism is more the Talmud. Um, the Torah is just Israelitism, I guess. It's just by God's truth. So they often would think like Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year, whereas some people thought it was Pesach, Passover. And so there was that debate among people. And, and honestly, just that's where Paul was saying, just do all things for God. What, what you're doing, if you're doing Passover for God, you're doing it for Yahweh. Good, good for you. If you're doing um, you know, Yom Kippur, you're doing that too. They're all holy. But this day in particular, we are commanded to fast or to afflict our souls. So not everybody fasts, but you do have to afflict your soul which is often done by fasting. And so this chapter clarifies a lot of things we were talking about a few weeks ago. And it's just, I don't know, it's just a really good chapter. So I pray God, please open our eyes and heart to your truth and teach us as we read. Now, Yahweh, remember, Yod, L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital E, all capitals is the Hebrew tetragram, Yod, He, Vav, He, Y, H, V, H, transliterated, which is Yahweh. So now Yahweh spoke to Moshe, Moses, after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before Yahweh and died. And Yahweh said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Now remember, Nadab and Abihu were struck dead because they offered profane fire at a time when they weren't supposed to, in a manner they weren't supposed to. And here's Yahweh saying, don't, you don't, you can't just come any time into this holiest of place. Because you had to have the cloud, you had to everything just right so that you're protected because God is so holy, our corruptible flesh can't physically be in his presence. That's why Yeshua cloaked himself with the guy, you know, with human flesh so that, and he's that, he's the part of God that we can see, the part of the Father that we can see. So it's you know, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and He is God. We know, we've, if you've been going through the podcast, we know the word Elohim is plural. So it's just it's just a really good picture for us of our uncleanness. And, and not that God doesn't want to be with us, but our sin has separated us from Him. And that's why Yeshua died, so that at the resurrection, we now have a chance to be risen again and be with Him when we rise from the dead because we've accepted his righteousness for us. So I hope that's making sense. And that's what this day is about. So let's keep reading. Verse 3. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. Remember the bull 
the bull had so many symbolisms. Hope you, hopefully you've been following through with our podcast, but um, the bull symbolizes both strengths, both of God's strength and our own. So we lay down our own strength because in our strength we can do nothing. And we accept the strength of his sacrifice that was given for us. The, the ram is the same thing. So the ram and the bull are both symbolic of, of strength. And, and so we lay down our strength because our strength is nothing compared to his. And it's in his strength then we offer, you know, we offer up ours, just we lay it down I'm sure, and we accept his strength for our sacrifice, for his covering, for his protection, his forgiveness. Okay, verse four, he shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. And remember, linen symbolizes the righteous acts of the saints. That's both in the Proverbs, that's both in Revelation. Um, I can't, I don't think Song of Songs had a part about the linen, but my point is it's throughout scripture talking about how linen symbolizes the righteous acts of the saints. So here's the priest symbolically putting on um, righteousness, doing what is right, the right thing. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with a linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Remember, they're holy as chadosh, which means set apart. They're different from ordinary. They're not the mundane or ordinary. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. Again, the washing, you're clean. When you come into the presence of God, you wash, you wash up, you get clean. And the word, the water is symbolic of the word of God, we're told in Ephesians. So remember these things as you read, connect the dots, as Yahweh, his spirit is trying to teach us, okay? And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Remember, goat symbolizes rebellion. Sheep tend to obey Goats tend to do their own thing. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. So take the speck out of your eye first, the plank out of your eye first, before you remove the speck from your brother. So here's Aaron. Let's let's offer atonement, covering. The word atonement means covering. It's Kippur. Let's provide atonement for our own house first, because we know we still have sin. And then he stood in the gap for the children of Israel. So it's when we're helping each other, we work on ourselves, and then we do help each other. Some people use this as a guise, well, I can't help them because I'm still struggling. No, overcome and then help them. (laughs) Don't be judgmental and be like, oh, I'm so much better than you. I have no sins, or I'm telling you what to do, but I don't practice what I preach. You know, that kind of thing. You are to get the log out of your eye and then help your brother. It doesn't say not to help him because you have the log. It says get it out and then help him. (laughs) <laughs> so that's what Aaron's doing. He goes first and makes covering for his house, himself and his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before Yahweh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for Yahweh and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which Yahweh's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat, I'm sorry, the goat on which the lot felt to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before Yahweh to make atonement upon it, to make covering for it. It's like our covering from sin. We are covered. So the word atonement in Hebrew, if you have not been following along, is kippur. Kippurim is plural. And it means to be covered from. So think of it as a, a shelter from the storm, a covering from the, the looming judgment coming, right? So there's a judgment that's coming, but we're covered by the blood of Yeshua, by his sacrifice. He makes a covering for us. And so, and then we're going to let it go as a scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall kill the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself. 
Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before Yahweh with his hands full of sweet incense, beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. So he's going to go inside the veil of the holy place and he's going to be carrying some of the incense in one hand and the burning censer in the other. And then he's going to put that incense on the censer and it's going to create smoke because it's going to burn, okay? Now remember the veil, we're told that the veil is um, symbolizes death. That's it's the, the death that, um, because it says the veil is torn when Yeshua died and it talks about, um, is it Psalms or Isaiah right now? I can't remember. But it says the veil that covered the whole earth was death, right? Because eternally we would have been condemned to never see the face of God because of our sin. But because Yeshua tore the veil, he made a way for us when we are risen from the dead to see the face of Yahweh if we're holy. So that's what the veil, he's going into the veil that separates us from God, which was our sin. Death separated us from God because of our sin, sin is death. Sin leads to death. And so I'm hoping this picture is starting to make sense to you. Verse Let's just read verse 13. And he shall put the incense on the fire before Yahweh, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. And before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. Bring its blood inside the veil. Do with the blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of the transgressions for all their sins. So he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting, which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. So it's a huge picture of saying, of showing reverence to God and being like, we understand that our filth has polluted even your, your holiness and the place that we want to meet with you. So it's showing humility and righteousness and true um, just understanding of who God is because I think a lot of people in Christianity have no fear of God anymore and there's no reverence. They don't understand because they have been given over to the antinomian spirit, which the Bible talks about the Antichrist will have. And so when you're lawless, you don't understand God's glory and majesty compared to your failure. And you don't truly understand forgiveness and repentance because we're to repent from sin. So if you don't even know what sin is, that pathway to repentance has been removed from you. And therefore you lack that full humility and that ability to grieve for your sins and the cost that it's really cost your Savior in trying to save you and make atonement for you. And so that's where it's so beautiful when you see people turn back to Torah and doing what Malachi chapter 4 prophesies would happen, that before the coming and dreadful day of the Lord, they would turn back to the law of Moses and remember it, because that's what God teaches us to do. Sorry, here I'm reaching for something here. Um, you see these people for the first time, for the first time truly understand humility, because when you think you're okay with God, and you're like, oh, I'm okay, I am forgiven, everything's cool, I have nothing, I'm forgiven. For no, 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 the Bible says you're forgiven when you repent. You receive forgiveness from Yeshua when you repent. So if you continue in sin, Hebrews says you trample the blood of Christ, because he died to save you from your sin, not so that you could sin. And 1 John 3, 4, and the book of Romans chapters, especially 3 through 6, specifically say, Sin is transgression of the law. It's the law of Moses it's talking about there, the bird. So we are not saved by obeying the law. We were saved by faith that we were sinners and we needed forgiveness for our sins. And we put that faith in assurance in Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, who died for us. But 
He came to save us from our sin. So you can't then continue and go back to your sin because then you went right back to Egypt. Then you didn't get saved. Because he saved, he saved us to bring us to the promised land, the place of obedience flowing with milk and honey. If you continue in sin, then you went right back to Egypt. So he might have saved you or been saving you, but you chose to go back to captivity. So I really hope that makes sense. And I apologize for those of you um, watching this video because I just knocked something over. There. I think I did it right. I am sorry for you listening on the podcast because I'm being technically challenged right now. <laughs> and I apologize for that. Um, but just bear with me one minute, please, as I attempt. <laughs> attempt is the operative word. Attempt to. <laughs> okay, it's not going to work. I'm sorry. This is crazy. Okay, kind of. Kind of got it. Kind of got it. But that's okay. It's not perfect. Now, I want to point out one thing here. Um, let's continue on. Well, let's just continue on, and then I'll make note of it. Um, verse 17. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make, it, to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out, that he may make atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the assembly of Israel. And so the assembly is like... what you know, kind of the group, the church, whatever. And then he shall go out to the altar that is before Yahweh and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times. Remember seven to completion. He's getting all the way clean. Cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. So consecration means to like set it apart, make it holy, get it free of impurities, Okay. Verse 20, and when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. Did you hear that? Now listen to the next verse. It's awesome. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land and he shall release the goat in the wilderness have you heard the verse our sins will be forgiven as far as the east is from the west this is symbolic of that this is the picture of our sins are confessed and laid on the hand of that goat the goat symbolizes rebellion sin um, just doing our own way and the priest confesses those sins, lays his hand on it, that confers ownership to that and, and transference of it, and then it runs away because the other goat, the other goat died for us. So Yeshua became sin for us. He died for us. He bore all of our sin. He physically didn't sin. He just bore everything in him. Boom, he put it down. All of our sins. And he died so that our sins could be carried away on the other goat that was a scapegoat. He took our punishment. He took our place. And if you can't come to that understanding, you don't know God. If you don't understand that you should be dead and that you don't deserve to see the face of God and that because of your sin, you were eternally separated from him until your Messiah came, if you cannot grasp that, you don't know God. And you can't understand the grace given you. And I'm sorry, I choke up every time I think about this, but ugh, sorry, I'm not trying to cry. But you can't, these people, Christianity is very dangerous what it teaches people. 
because it doesn't teach them from what they've been saved or from what they were to repent. And when you really, really get closer to God and the Holy Spirit's just so filled within you, you really, he brings you to a place of humility. Not a place of wearing badges and honor, walking around with your name tags, showing everybody your spiritual gifts. Not a place of barking like dogs, hanging from chandeliers. Yes, there's the gift of speaking in tongues, but believe me, it's a language, people. I've heard it many times, done it many times. <laughs> it might not always be Hebrew for us. It's been Hebrew. Some people, it's going to be a different language. But it's the word tongue in Greek, and it means language. For you know, And, and it really is not it's, it's a language. And so... The point is, please understand this picture that your sin, your goat, your rebellion against God separated you in such a way from God that without Yeshua coming, you never would have seen his face. But because Yeshua chose to lay down his life for us, which is what we're supposed to do for others. So remember this now. He did it for you. You better do it for those around you. Not be, Don't get frustrated at your husband that's messing up or your wife that's messing up or your child or whatever. I'm not saying, okay, we are supposed to confront sin. I'm not saying to condone sin, but my point is you don't give up on them and you don't think you're better than them and you don't think you don't have to deal with their poo-poo because your poo-poo stinks too. And Yeshua, in the midst of your poo-poo stinking, came and made his sacrifice for you. For you. You didn't deserve to see the face of the Lord. But if you put your trust in him and you let him lead you out of Egypt and you go to that mountain and you learn his commandments and you learn how to please him, you will see the face of God. Because without being holy, Peter tells us, you will not be, you will not see the face of God. And holy is only referenced ever in the scripture in reference to the law. And the word holy means to be different because this is how you're different from the world. When you obey God by his spirit, not by the letter, but by the spirit. So some of you who think, oh, it's, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying, anyway, I don't want to go too far off track here, but let's be so grateful that our sins get got to be carried to the wilderness, do get to be carried away to the wilderness. And there's a reminder of that every year. This, this sacrifice wasn't a bad thing. It's beautiful. It's a picture of what he did and how dare anybody speak against these laws? How dare they speak against these beautiful feasts, which, as Colossians tells us, they're the substances of Christ and they're a shadow of things to come, right? Because there will be a resurrection and we are hoping for that. That's our hope. That's our, that's our belief. That's our, that's our trust. And any of you who know God, know it to be real. If you know Yahweh, there's no way he doesn't exist. He's amazing. Okay. Let's keep reading. <laughs> I'm sorry. This just this. I get so passionate sometimes. I just got to be careful to stay on track. Um, verse 23. Then Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of meeting. She'll take off the linen garments, which he put on when he went into the holy place, and she'll leave them there. And he shall wash his body with water in a holy place, put on his garments, come out, and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people, and make atonement or covering for himself and for the people. The fat... Of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar, and he who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. The bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make, in, to make atonement for the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp, and they shall burn in the fire their skins, their flesh, and their offal. So we've kind of gone over this stuff, guys, before. If you haven't been following along, please go back and listen to the other podcasts because, I mean, there's a huge picture in this, like, when you're laying down your life for others, I will tell you, sometimes it gets messy. And the Song of Song talks about that, especially, I think, it's Song of Song, chapter 5. Um, 
might be chapter eight. No, it's chapter five. And so you in laying down your life <laughs> for others, sometimes you get dirty. And so then you notice they came out and they got clean again. They washed in water again, but they had to take off. Now, what are you going to be with the people? They had to take off those holy garments. And it wasn't they were putting back on sin. It was just a picture of like to enter God's presence, you really have to make sure you're coming in before him clean. And then when you enter or when you exit after doing a lot of this work and laying down your life for people and praying for whatever you've been doing, sometimes you've got to get clean again. Okay, so I don't know. There's a whole bunch of pictures there. And then these, the way these sacrifices are offered, we went through that in the beginning of Leviticus. So go back and listen to those podcasts. Then he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body with water and afterward he may come into the camp. This shall be a statute forever for you. Oh, really? Not just until the Messiah came? Forever? Does God mean what he says? I think so. Adam and Eve learned the hard way, right? Oh, God didn't really mean what he said. You can eat this. You'll just be smart and have wisdom. <laughs> no, no, no. Eve learned the hard way. God meant what he said. She did die. We all die because of that sin, and they died spiritually immediately. Okay. Verse 29. This shall be a statute forever for you in the seventh month. So not July. That's Tishri, the seventh biblical month, okay? In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. Remember, we've read a million, million, million verses already that show there's no difference between the Israelites and the Gentiles. If you were going to be God's people, you just followed the same rules. You believed in the same Messiah. There's one way, one faith, one hope, one God. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before Yahweh. Now, remember, guys, these sacrifices weren't, they don't actually make us clean. Remember, the picture was that they were looking towards the Messiah that was coming to make them clean, okay? So just just please, please, please remember that and don't get into these misconnotations that this actually saved them or made them clean. It was symbolic of the what, of the sacrifice that would make them clean, okay? It was teaching them a lesson, okay? It's a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. Okay, so I'm sorry. I just looked up. It's a statute forever. And the again, it doesn't, not just until the time of the Messiah, forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes, the holy garments, and then he shall make atonement or covering for the sanctuary, for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. This shall be an everlasting statute for you to make atonement for the children of Israel. And remember it just said, anybody who lives among Israel who's a Gentile, if they want to serve God too, let them do it. Um, for all their sins once a year, and he did as Yahweh commanded Moses. Now, I want to show one more thing to you guys really fast here because um, we just need to remind you. And for some reason, my mind is drawing a blank. It's been, <laughs> I could use a little bit of prayer today. It's been a little bit of a stressful day with some issues. So that would be good. So my mind is just faltering right now a tiny bit. But I want it remind myself because I don't have the, I forgot to have the Hebrew Bible open here and I'm so, so sorry. But I want to point out again that that word for mercy seat, and I thought this, I thought it was covering, but I just didn't want to speak it without double checking because I forgot to open my Hebrew Bible. Um, it's, it's the word covering. So it's the covering seat, not the mercy seat, because the word mercy in Hebrew is chesed, and this is the word kippuret, 
covering. And I, I just, I didn't want to say it without double checking. Um, so remember, when you go to the mercy seat, you're actually going to the covering seat. It's the place for which your covering and your atonement is provided. And that's where we press in. And when we rise again, that barrier of death will no longer separate us from God because of the sacrifice Yeshua paid for us. Okay, that was a long podcast, but it was so good. There's so much in that. And I just love God and I just love you all. Have a super blessed day, everyone.